Welcome to another episode of Oh Hey There podcast. Uh, thank you to all the people at Niners Nation, especially Rob. Uh, he, he's the engine behind the train here, but um, no Javi Vega tonight. But we got my guy Eddie Orgel, who's uh, basically a Pac-12 nut. You want to know anything about the recruiting process within the Pac-12, uh, the coaching carousel that happens throughout college football? You're definitely going to want to give Eddie a follow. You can find him on Twitter at SquadNation619. And this is why I wanted to bring him on. Is the 49ers with their first pick in this year's draft, second round, no less. They took edge rusher Drake Jackson, which some people said yay. Some people said no. Why? D-line's already stacked. Um, But the 49ers opted to go ahead and get some help from Nick Bosa and someone like myself is how I look at it is John Lynch and Shanahan with Chris Kosarek as their defensive line coach haven't invested draft capital in an edge rusher. Only Nick Bosa. That's it. And he was obviously a blue chip prospect. Um, so Drake Jackson wasn't a Nick Bosa going second overall. Wasn't the first non quarterback to get selected in the draft. So let's learn a little bit more about Drake Jackson. Eddie, you follow USC more closely than any of the other teams in the Pac-12. What what should the 49ers expect when it comes to Drake Jackson? Uh, Just maybe some background noise, maybe where he came from, why he's being a top 60 pick in the NFL. Well, well, eh, just on the outside of 60, but why was he drafted so high? What's his potential um, what some realistic expectations can we see from a guy like Drake Jackson? Yeah, uh, Drake, Drake Jackson coming out of uh, high school was a, a top-touted player. Problem with uh, Drake Jackson is you can argue he is either drafted too low or you can argue he is drafted too high. Uh, the way he was being used at USC was you know, not the right way to use him. They had him dropping back in coverage, playing 20 yards down the field um, this past year. And, you know, he's... He's a pass rusher. He shouldn't be dropping back in coverage. He's a raw player. He has a lot of potential, but he probably was working with the worst coaches in college football. And so I think it kind of stunted his growth. They had him lose weight, gain weight, and then lose weight again. So he's just been playing multiple different schemes and playing out of position in most of them. But the dude has an extremely high ceiling. His floor is a little bit lower than you would want. But, I mean, he could be, again, he sick. where you guys picked him might have been low considering what he'll do in the future. So if you look at NFL.com and their prospects, uh, how they have him basically rated is six clean, his prospect grade. So 6.00. Uh, and that equals traits or talent to be an above average backup. Do you think Drake Jackson can be a starter in this league? Or do you think that's a line where, where he should be projected? I think right now, I mean, that he's a traits guy, right? But, I mean, his freshman year, he played extremely well when they used him predominantly as a pass rusher. And then his sophomore year, they had him lose some weight. And then... He was kind of dropping back a little bit more. And then um, his his junior year, this past year, he was dropping back even more playing again, you know, 
covering receivers 20, year, 20 yards down the field, that's not something you want for a guy that's a pass rusher, let alone your best pass rusher. So I think they just didn't use him properly. He has a ton of traits to be a legitimate starter in the NFL. Um, I think I think he could be a 10-plus sack guy in the NFL. Now you're speaking my language. 10-plus sack guy for Drake Jackson. What makes you say that? Like, why? It, like, is Does it just relay back to the traits, like you say? Like, just focus on being an edge rusher? Because obviously... I doubt the 49ers are going to drop him back into coverage. You haven't seen them do that with their edge rushers, at least at a freaking rate that's noticeable. You don't, you didn't see I, the only guy I remember dropping back in coverage for the 49ers that made me scratch my head and probably wanted to pull out my hair was, was Solomon Thomas. When I seen him back in coverage a few times, um, I think I saw Nick Bosa like once, but you're not going to see that collectively out of this line. Um, it's, is that more so why it's kind of just relating the, the assignment plus the traits is why you see him as a 10 set plus sack guy. Yeah, for sure. The traits are there. He has a bend. He has good get off. He has all the measurables you want as far as size, arm length, athleticism. Um, he has all the tools you would want from a pass rusher. Um, he just wasn't utilized, you know, to do that in college. So you think about, you know, be having your, your growth stunted by two years, it's going to be a little bit of a work in progress getting into the, uh, into the NFL. But if he can put the traits together with some good development, there's no reason why he couldn't be a 10, a 10 sack guy in the NFL. So again, right now it's traits, but the potential's there. Love it. Love it. I, I hope he does get there one day because it's obviously going to be huge having Nick Bosa on the other side. Um, We've we seen someone like Kerry Hyder almost get a 10 sack season. Um, And that's without having Nick Bosa on the other side. And I think a lot of that does allude to the coaching of Chris Kosarek. Like you said, USC before Lincoln Riley came in and Lincoln Riley ha hasn't even had a, a game under his belt yet. But before he came in, that regime didn't do any justice for Drake Jackson, like you were saying. And um, this is prob this not probably this is the best coaching he is ever going to have so far within his playing career. And you could say, duh, Leo, that, you know, it's, it's an NFL team. It should be his best coaching. Well, Hey, you go to some certain colleges, some certain universities, and then you go do a dumpster fire organization. A lot of these players could say they had their best coaching and helped them out within their career at that college level more than it did in the NFL level. I don't think that's going to be the scenario for Drake Jackson. And and we're not even talking about a slight difference. We're not talking about a mild difference within coaching. I'm talking about a marathon. Would you say that's fair? Absolutely. I mean, you can you can talk about like the Alabamas of the world, right? Like these guys come out of Alabama and they're pretty much maxed out. That's why a lot of these Alabama Alabama players get to the next level and they don't really achieve everybody's goals uh, as far as what you expect from them because they're a first round pick and they went to Alabama and they're so good. One, they have five stars all across, you know, every position for the most part. Um, and then on top of that, they're just saving and, and the coaching staff that he puts together is basically an NFL um, coaching staff. So 
you know, these guys get in, they, they're maxed out. They, they have no more room for growth versus, again, Drake Jackson. He's had probably the worst coaching in all of college football. And he's going, he has all the traits. He's going to an organization that knows how to develop players um, and knows how to put their players in the best position to be successful. I don't see why he couldn't do well. Exactly. And that, and that's kind of my point with, with this whole Drake Jackson selection. And, and that's why I love it so much. It's because we saw Arden key, someone who I loved and was at one time, I'm talking about loved as a prospect coming out of LSU. Someone at one time was rated maybe a first round pick, uh, fell below that, got selected by the, at the time, Oakland Raiders and didn't produce, came to the 49ers and you saw he got that coaching from Kosarek and had a career year. Hell, Kerry Hyder already talked about, he had two career years under Chris Kosarek, one in Detroit, went to Dallas, did nothing, um, came to the 49ers. Back again with Chris Kosarek, did something, career year once again, went to Seattle, got paid, did nothing, and now he's back with Chris Kosarek. Um, so I think a lot has to do with who you have as a, as a defensive line coach, and I'm not afraid to say he's the best in the league. And I, I want to hear what your comp is for Drake Jackson, because uh, I, I kind of find it ironic that NFL.com put Eli Harold as Drake Jackson's comp for, for an NFL prospect and 49er fans know about Eli Harold all too much. Eli Harold went to Virginia was drafted in the third round 79th overall by the 49ers in the 2015 NFL draft. Yet Eli Harold had nine sacks in his entire career. And we're talking about Drake Jackson being a potential 10 sack in one season type of guy. Uh, Harold spent three seasons with the 49ers, got traded for a seventh round pick, went to Detroit. Yes, he did get one sack against the 49ers during that one single season in Detroit. But get this, that seventh round pick that went to the 49ers, it was used to select Juwan Jennings, uh, basically a third, uh, the third down target for the 49ers this past season. So I don't expect for you to have the same comp in Eli Harold which I could see where that that is based off of, you know, we're talking about a second round guy, a third round guy. Um, the traits are kind of similar for their size and the athleticism. Both guys are 6'3". They're around the 240, 250 mark. Um, is there someone that you, you've seen him for three years at USC? Is there someone that comes to mind when you watch him play? Man, you are putting me on the spot with the comps. Um it's hard to say because he can he can hold the edge as a run defender. So if I remember correctly, Eli Harold was predominantly a pass rusher that was more of a speed rusher, not really a run stopping defensive end slash edge player. I would say give him a year of actually building out his body. I would say he he'll probably be like a poor man's Jason Pierre Paul. Hey, and, and we're talking about poor man's Jason Pierre Paul. Um, like, I don't and think this is that should be like, I don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't think that should be taken as a as any type of slander. Like Jason Pierre Paul in year two of the league had 16 and a half sacks. It, when Jason Pierre Paul was 25, he had 12 and a half sacks. 
at 29, 12 and a half sacks. Um, during the COVID season in 2020, nine and a half sacks. So he's always hovering around that, you know, 10 sack mark. And, you know, I, I think it's fair to say, hey, we're not expecting Drake Jackson to be a multi-Pro Bowl player. We're expecting him to be more of a Robin than a Batman. Um, but that's why it's like you hear poor man's Jason Pierre-Paul in a freaking second round. Correct me if I'm wrong. There's footage of Drake Jackson doing backflips, correct? Yep. And yeah, what did Jason Pierre-Paul – Yeah, like what did Jason Pierre-Paul do during his draft process? Backflips. And Jason Pierre-Paul came out of USF, was doing backflips in the pre-draft process. Oh, my God, he's a stud, uh, stud player. I think Jason Pierre-Paul does probably have more strength and, and is a little more athletic than Drake Jackson. That's where you kind of allude to – the poor man's JPP just because the athleticism isn't equal and the power's not equal either. Correct. Uh, I wouldn't even say that. Like I would say Drake Jackson's just as athletic, if not more athletic. Um, His body isn't filled out like Jason Pierre Paul is or was when he was coming out. But again, that's because coaches wanted him to be a defensive end his freshman year. And then wanted to move him to an edge rusher and then played him out in kind of a hybrid pass rusher slash defensive end slash let's draw back in coverage. Like just absolutely wasted his talent. So I just think, you know, he, he dropped down, I believe, to about 240 pounds to fit this to fit the scheme of his of USC. So, you know, he wants to get up to about the 260, 265 mark, and that's his goal. I think he, he weighed in around 250 for the combine, so he's not too far off. But he added a lot of weight in a short period of time, so I don't know if the athleticism is necessarily meeting the uh, weight gain, but it will get there. So, yeah, I, I, I think he's just as athletic, if not more athletic. The question is is whether he's going to be able to hold the edges his uh, rookie year. Perfect. Perfect. And like I said, for a rookie year, I, I think I said this with Javi about a week ago or two weeks ago for a rookie year. I, I, I would say pass rushing snaps. We're maybe going to see around two to 300 for a Drake Jackson. I don't expect him to be logging a thousand snaps a 900 snaps in total pass rushing and, and uh, you know, just run defense as well. Um, I think he's predominantly going to be thrown out there in pass rush situations and hey, if he just flies off the charts, then maybe we do see him logging more snaps on against the run or the pass. Um, but I'm looking for the 49ers to predominantly put him out there in pass rushing situations, build this guy confidence by creating some pressures, quarterback hits, and maybe maybe you get a few sacks in there. You know that that'll basically be the frosting and the cherry on the top with with some sprinkles if the 49ers win the game. Let's uh, let's stay on the same campus. 49 uh, guys. Go ahead. I wanted to drop one one thing though on the Drake Jackson. Like just to put in perspective his athleticism, he jumped a 36 and a half inch vertical with a 127 inch broad jump. Mind you, he put on basically 20 pounds in the like 15 pounds in the offseason. So he put on a lot of weight in a short period of time and still had really good numbers. Love it. Love it. Give me more. 
Actually, we're going to jump campus because I want to go to another rookie. Instead, this is going to be an undrafted rookie. Someone I sent you mocks to, um, Eddie, is Donovan West. Instead, he's an undrafted free agent. Someone I got making the team um, plays a center position at Arizona State. You know, the, the connection there with Herm Edwards with the 49ers is pretty strong right now. Um, Donovan West, Arizona State, talk to me about him. He's a good player. I mean, a lot of people thought of him as a third or fourth round um, prospect uh, coming out. So, you know, for him to go undrafted was pretty crazy. Although I will say kind of the people's perspective on a lot of these offensive linemen and where they went was totally off. Um, So we'll see if we were right or if these scouts were right. But he is definitely a priority undrafted free agent. Um, Definitely has the, the talent and ability to uh, come in and, you know, push for, you know, push for a roster spot and, uh, you know, possibly be your starter in the next, you know, year or two. Does anything like stand out to you why he might have went undrafted? Because I done a few mocks uh, and there was times where I was depending on how the mock went, the algorithm within that mock um, where I was like, screw it. I'm taking Donovan West at 61 here. Um Thankfully, I wasn't doing the draft selections because the 49ers were still able to get him undrafted. But do you think there was anything that stood out to you? Maybe maybe the 2019 year where he allowed six sacks? Because um, when you look over his past 16 games from 2021 to 2020, 16 games there, and he only allowed one sack with a combined five pressures and a combined uh, one quarterback hit. Do you think that's a little bit because of the way the offense was designed that um, necessarily the during those two combined years, uh, he played center and left guard in those 16 games. Um, do you think it was more so about their offense or was he just a hell of a player that the 49ers lucked out on? I can't tell you why he went undrafted. I mean, he's a good player. He does have some, you know, stuff he needs to work on as far as technique not necessarily, you know, the ideal size you want for uh, a offense alignment, although he fits perfect in a Shanahan offense as far as like smaller, quicker offensive linemen. Um, his 40 time isn't the greatest, but he's pretty quick off the snap and he can get to the next level rather quickly. Um so yeah, I, I honestly I don't know why he dropped, but again, like I was saying before, it was just a really weird year for interior offense alignment and kind of some of them dropped further than most expected. Um, I think, you know, with it being the, you know, extra people having extra year due to uh, COVID that it'll, you know, some players just drop further along because there's just an extra 150 players in the draft pool. You know what? That That's a good point. That, that is fair. Um, to mention that is, is, you know, some, some players, they they did go over to this year's draft when they originally would have got drafted last year, and that's what made this draft so deep when th- within that second, third, fourth, fifth, even sixth. And now we're talking about Donovan West, who's undrafted and someone that on a typical year would probably go no later than the fifth round, mind you. Um, also, this is huge. The dude was born in 2001. He doesn't turn 21 until later this month. 
And usually you get an undrafted guy that with his production, maybe he's, you know, super, super senior, 23, 24 years old. And, and that's why teams didn't use a draft pick on him. No, this guy is not turning 21 until later this month. Uh, Donovan West, what would you, if you had to put a percentage, uh, Eddie, where would you put his percentage on making the team? Um, I don't see him making a starter role because you figure you're going to have those five spots lined up. Uh, you're going to have a swing tackle six. Uh, you're you're probably going to have basically, you know, uh, another two spots after that swing tackle in there. What would you put Donovan's West chances on making this roster? It's so hard to say because the Pac-12 has been so bad for, for so long that I th- that's probably another reason why a lot of these players dropped, especially like in the Pac-12, is like it's hard to see what they do against uh, NFL-type talent because there's not a lot of NFL-type talent as far as defense alignment um, in the Pac-12. So it's really, really hard to say like what he can do at the next level. Um so I, I don't know. I mean, I think there's a good chance. Like you, people... you got it. You got to scout the player, not the school, Eddie. Come on, scout the player, not the school. No, but it's still it's you can't. It's hard to scout the player when you're playing against below average teams. So I would say pra, I'll go somewhere in the about fifty five percent. Fifty five. I I think anytime you're an undrafted player and you get fifty five percent, that's almost like hitting a home run. So we'll call it uh, inside the park little league home run for. Uh, Donovan West chances of making the 49ers. See, my only concern is if he does not make this roster, is he is he something that someone, a team, maybe a Shanahan style team like the Jets, the Dolphins, um, Vikings, even Browns, even might steal this guy like like through waivers. Like, do you think do you think? Donovan West has that potential to where if he doesn't make it, somebody else is going to pick him up. Well, you could have a mysterious foot injury and they can stash him on the uh, practice squad for a little while, but uh, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. It's hard to say. They get pretty creative when they want to keep a guy. So if, if if they want to keep a guy, then they'll figure out a way to uh, stash him for a little while. Okay. I like that. I like it. I, I, I do have hope to see Donovan West like, well, hell, there's. I don't think we have an answer on Alex Mack yet, so we'll see. There may there may be as a center position in play. And next, you know, he's a 49ers Week One starter because Alex Mack retired. That would be crazy. Um, let's stay at the same school now. This time, we talked about a couple rookies. One was the first one that the 49ers selected in the draft. The second one was an undrafted guy that should have 100% in my mind been drafted. And that was, you know, Drake Jackson and Donovan West we talked about. Uh, let's talk about someone who's been with the 49ers for a couple of years now. Sun Devil, Brandon Ayuk. What I want to ask you about Brandon Ayuk is in year three, we saw Debo Samuel blow it up, have a career year. Everybody, you know, I, I think it's across the board. Everyone regards Debo Samuel as a top 10 wide receiver. I don't think... Um, much people, I would, I would say, I would say probably 90% of people, nine out of 10 people you talk to are going to put Debo Samuel in their top 10 for wide receivers in the NFL. To me, I think he's an ace. Um, when I do my, when I do my rankings, I look at it more so as what's his style 
And is he the best at his style or is there somebody better than him at their style? And I think Debo Samuel is the best in the NFL at what he does. And that's why this man wants to get paid. So moving forward to Brandon Ayuk, we saw Debo have that career year. Does Brandon Ayuk have that type of potential? And and what is the what is that basically ceiling? Because I, I think we could relate this past season for, for Debo Samuel as his ceiling. I think it's going to be very, very difficult for that man to do better than what he did this past season. Nobody put up as much receiving yards and as much rushing yards within one season as Debo Samuel. That was 1,400 receiving yards, 365 rushing yards. Um, so it's with Brandon Ayuk. Like, Debo's a 1,400 receiver. Like, does Brandon Ayuk, Pac-12 guy, does he have that potential? Yeah, I mean, not 1,400 yards. No, not not at all. But I told you when you Why? guys drafted Why? Is him, it, you is were it a more, little bit Debbie I wanna you you said no to fourteen hundred. Is that just more so on there's one football going around or is it just you don't stylistically stylistically Ayuk's game isn't a fourteen hundred yard receiver. Um he is more of a kind of a deep threat, you know, not necessarily a big like he gets some yak, don't get me wrong, but he doesn't catch something, you know, on a slant route and take it to the house all that often. Um, he's more of a kind of a deep threat type wide receiver. Um, I would say he was he's probably like a Will Fuller-ish type wide receiver with a little bit more bulk to him and better hands. Ayuk's biggest problem is one, staying healthy, and two, just the mental side of the game. Um, staying focused, staying in the game, practicing hard, being available, um, has nothing to do with talent, but there again, his talent is totally different style than a, than a Debo Samuel. So I think if, if you get 75, 80 catches out of him, you could call it, you know, 1100 yards. Five to five to eight touchdowns. I think that's kind of in his wheelhouse as far as his style of play and his ability. But I don't think he's he'll ever be a fourteen hundred yard wide receiver. I mean, very few wide receivers are fourteen hundred yard wide receivers. That's fair. Let's go ahead and look at last season on who was a fourteen hundred yard receiver. It was only five guys. So you're talking about he would have to crack that top five in receiving yards. Um, that was Debo Samuel, Jamar Chase, Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup. Now you related Brandon IU to a Wolf Fuller. Um, I don't think he's that much of a deep threat. I, I, you know, yes, he's a deep threat. But when you link Will Fuller, you just think solely, you know, deep post. Uh, you, you think solely fade routes. Um, you don't necessarily think other other routes are within that tree. Um, so I would say his play style is more so to a Jamar Chase. Am I am I far no. off on that? Yeah, you're way far off. Jamar Chase is probably closer to a Debo than I'm I'm talking about more so the route tree um than than you know the the destruction after the catch. 
Yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase, just like still, you got to factor in their style, right? Jamar Chase is a wrecking ball when the ball's in his hands. Yes, he can run a full route tree. He can do all that, but his biggest his biggest thing is he can absolutely take it to the house every time he catches the ball. And we saw that way too many times this year. Um, yeah, I mean, he runs more comebacks and he runs more inside routes and stuff like that, that teams don't dare to run with Will Fuller one because of his size and two, his hands are a little bit shaky. Mm -hmm. So the last thing you want to do is run a slant route with a guy with shaky hands that usually turns into a uh, bad results for your offense. But Brandon Ayuk does run other routes, but his bread and butter is a deep route, the deep, you know, a nine route, a deep post, um, stuff like that. That's where he's really, really excels. So that's why I put him in the Will Fuller kind of realm because, yeah, he does that other stuff here and there, but where he excels is really getting down the field. We've seen Brandon Ayuk early within this offseason. They put on Instagram, I believe it was, or maybe it was Twitter, saying deep ball me. Uh, he wants more of those deep ball targets. Um, I think the kid has the potential to get there, but <laughs> he's got to be basically like the only target on the team because you look at Debo Samuel. Yeah, he got 1,400 yards, but he did that on 18.2 yards per reception. Brandon Ayuk's about four yards per reception less than that and you look at other guys that aren't putting up that 18 yards a catch Devontae Adams for instance he had to have 169 targets to get over that hump of 1400 yards he cleared it by you know a, a good margin uh he had 1553 receiving yards on the season on 169 targets Debo Samuel put up 1405 on just 121 so where where are those targets going to come from? 49ers are going to have to throw about, you know, 1,500 times a game uh, for, for Debo Samuel to get back to 1,400, for, for Ayuk to get to 1,400, for George Kittle to get back over 1,000. So I think this kid has all the potential in Brandon Ayuk. I just don't know if I see two wide receivers um, be target share. Um where would you say Brandon Ayuk ranks as far as like the number two wide receiver? And I'm not including tight ends in this, just wide receivers. Would you say Brandon Ayuk is the top 10 wide receiver two in the league? No, I wouldn't say as of right now, no. But again, I mean, his biggest issue has been staying healthy and staying focused. So if he can put that together and have a solid offseason, um, I don't see why he couldn't, especially, I mean, the biggest caveat to this whole thing is the offense that Shanahan runs and all the misdirection and all the weapons that he has. At the end of the day, yes, he could be a top 10, but as of right now, I don't, I don't put him in the top 10. I'd probably say he's probably like going, you're saying going into the 2022 season, he's not, but you won't be shocked if he is. Exactly. Yep. Got it. Okay. Let's go back to USC. 49ers are making a change at safety position. It's widely known. Number three is already gone. It is already gone to another player on the team. Um, so I think odds are Kwaski Tart is not going to be back. And 
it's just a tough way to remember him because I, I think a lot of the casual fans are going to think about the dropped interception than necessarily the clutch plays he made over the years. And, you know, the big, probably the most clutch of recent is chasing down Aaron Jones before the half and denying the Packers points when it could have been an easy touchdown if he didn't run across the field as well as up the field because he was behind Aaron Jones uh, and, and where he was um, as far as when it came to the to the yard mark. Um, now, Talanoa Hufanga, Pac-12 guy, USC guy, is going to have an opportunity to compete, to start alongside Jimmy Ward. Hufanga got some run last season playing high safety for the 49ers, even when Kwaski Tart was suited up in action. Um, I questioned it at times, but the 49ers really love this guy in order to do that. They they do see a future there in order to do that. Um, like I said, you know USC more than, than any other schools in the Pac-12. Like you start learning these kids from high school before they even put on the maroon and yellow. Um, and yes, I'm saying yellow because that's not gold. It's, the 49ers are gold. Card, cardinal and gold. Let's just it's get maroon. It it's maroon. It's maroon. So do you think he's someone that has the capabilities to be a starter in this league? I'm not going to say, do you think he'll start for the 49ers? Because, you know, that's so broad. Like there's, there's so, there's so much that goes into that. And, um, do you think that the guy is basically uh, one year in, do you think he has the ability to start? Like, is he someone you would give the keys to the car to? So it depends on how you're going to use them. If you're going to use him more of a kind of strong safety slash um, kind of linebacker type role. Absolutely. Um, Talanoa Hufanga is one of the most instinctive football players I've ever seen. The dude just is extremely smart able to pick up reads, flies all over the place, is a really good tackler. And I think the one thing that most players or most people don't do when they evaluate talent is, especially at safety or even like a linebacker, the new new style hybrid linebacker, which is like a hybrid safety slash coverage linebacker, is um, does the ball find them, right? Like, He's always around the ball. He always figures for some reason when there's a fumble, um, when there's a ball thrown his way, he's just in the right place at the right time. Um, a lot of it is just like great instincts and the ability to read the play. But a lot of it's just, you know, kind of luck, just, you know, playing in the right, playing the right assignment and just finding the ball or the ball finding you. So I mean, we. I think you guys saw a decent amount of that with him and his limited role with you guys. But if you're looking for him to be a free safety, absolutely not. He has no business being a free safety. But uh, a strong safety, more of like a box type player slash linebacker, um, I think he would he would do extremely well. On top of, he'd probably be your guys' ace on special teams. On you know, on top of being. A, a starter on your defense yes yes you said it for me you talked about him being a free safety jimmy ward is going to be the technical free safety but the 49ers love to rotate these guys and there's a reason why jimmy ward was on the field 
and yet Hufunga was playing the deep, you know, a deep third, playing high safety. They love to rotate these guys. They don't want to be a, a one-trick pony um, when it comes to playing that safety position. And I and I said you said it for me because I've been preaching. I like Hufunga is not a high safety to me. Like if he's gonna be essentially a third, uh, third off the ball linebacker, yes. In passing situations, mind you, uh, on on third and twelves, third and tens, yep. third and eights, third and sevens, a third off ball linebacker. Yes, give me that. Give me, give me Hufanga. Uh, you know, inside that box. Get, give me, give me him closer to the ball, closer to the line of scrimmage. That's where I want to see Hufanga. I don't want to see Hufanga twenty five yards downfield, expecting to go ahead and 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 get to DK Metcalf. Get to Hollywood Brown, get to Allen Robinson or Van Jefferson, guys in our division. Like I don't want to see him playing that that deep middle of the field. I don't want that for Hufanga. Yes, he has great instincts. Yeah, he has he has but... no business playing center field. He has you want him you want his vision looking towards the backfield. You do not want his vision looking downfield. So, um keeping him, you know, near the line of scrimmage, um, playing like a zone, kind of roaming roaming around in the, in the middle of the field, not the deep middle, is exactly where you want him because his instincts and his ability to read the play and diagnose what's going on is elite. So being able to, you know, play in that second level is where he's really going to prosper. And then also like, the dude was an animal, a tackling machine when he was at USC. They had him playing linebacker because they were they were so slim at the linebacker position, and you know he he prospered in that position. So he has the the uh, ability to play linebacker slash you know box safety, which you can argue in today's NFL is one and the same. But yeah, that that's exactly where you want him playing is in in the box, somewhere in that second level. He can also come come off the edge. He had six and a half sacks in uh, in college as a you know edge or linebacker blitzing. So he is he is exactly what you want from a NFL linebacker slash box safety in today's uh, today's game. Everybody wants a comp, you know wants a comp him with with. Uh... Troy Polamalu because you see the hair coming out of the helmet at the safety position. Um, and when you watch Troy Polamalu's, you know, greatest hits, I guess we could call it as if he was a musician. Uh, did you see a lot of those great hits downfield? No, there were some, obviously he was a generational talent. There were some, but he wasn't Ed Reed at deep safety. Like that was Ed Reed's thing um, where he saw, a lot of Troy Polamalu's highlights. It's around that line of scrimmage, man. It's around. It's jumping over the offensive line, blitzing. That's what I mean by generational talent. Because I don't think we're ever going to see another player do that. Um, but a lot of it has to do with inside that box. That that's where Troy Polamalu basically made his living. Once again, he did have some plays downfield, making interceptions and all of that but he was more of an instincts player, more of an awareness player inside the box than he was 
as a deep third. Am I wrong in saying that since you're a USC guy? Uh, yes and no. So Troy Palomalu could basically do anything you wanted him to do on an NFL field. He could be, he can play an Ed Reed role just fine with no problem. He can also be a box safety and do that with no problem. And he can do anything else you really ask him to do. I mean, the guy was a once in a generation safety, but yes, I mean, his later, later in his career, he was more of a box guy, but you know, early in his career, I mean, he, he, he roamed the, the deep center field and did a lot of stuff, a lot of, you know, he is very instinctive. And I think that's where people kind of connect the two outside of the USC connection and the poly connection is um, the instincts are there. I will actually go with another, another USC comp for Talanoa and that'd be Sua Cravens. Sua Cravens I, was a safety slash linebacker um, slash can cover in the slot, can kind of do it all, um, but wasn't the elite athlete that the Troy Palomalu was. But I would say that would probably be a better comp if you're going to com- comp the two. For 49er fans, and you were talking about USC safeties, um, and I was thinking of recent, um, not, not USC safeties of the past so of recent I, within the 2000s i was like just don't say taylor mays don't say taylor mays don't say taylor mays oh come on taylor mays was a freak but if taylor mays was in today's nfl he would be an absolute monster playing linebacker we're talking a guy that there's rumors that he actually shattered the uh, 424 combine record and they they dumbed down his time but um yeah, he he was. There's probably no player outside of maybe Roy Williams, that was his style. But Roy Williams wasn't near the athlete that Taylor Mays was. But if that guy played linebacker, he would be an absolute monster in today's NFL. But no, I, I would say he's a Sua Cravens. Okay, so for 49er fans, what would you tell them if Week One comes out and? the starter is Telenoa Hufunga. Like what would, what would be say your message? Well, it's hard to, I mean, if he's playing the box safety slash strong safety type role, then, or slash linebacker, then great. You guys got a stud that is going to be making game changing plays for you. Cause that's literally what he does is make game changing plays. If he's a free safety playing single high, then you're probably going to be, not too thrilled with the uh, production that you get there. Love it. Once again, Eddie, thank you for, uh, for, for joining me here. I know it was kind of short notice, you know, we'll have Javi back next week. I'm sure. I just want to appreciate you jumping on with me on a short notice. Yeah, no worries, man. It was, it's always fun to jump on here and there. So anytime you need me, just reach out to me. Perfect. So if you also want to reach out to Eddie, talk some more Pac-12, talk some NFL, talk some MLB, and even NBA, uh, you can go ahead and find him on Twitter at SquadNation619. You can find me at LeoLuna93. Reach out to all the Niners Nation, um, Niners Nation podcast, Niners, just Niners Nation itself. Rob, appreciate your time for, for wrapping this show up for us. And until next week, go Niners. <laughs>